Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Finn podcast. Uh, I'm your host, Sean. And I'm Susie Q. And uh, we're coming back uh, back from an awesome trip down to Dale Hollow. Uh, for the folks who uh, joined us down there for the uh, Paddle and Finn Open, uh, it was always, as always, a great time. Uh, it was, you know, my favorite part is getting to see the other hosts that, you know, we never get to see in person. We see each other across the computer screen all the time, but uh, uh, to get to hang out with uh, everyone is uh, definitely my the highlight of my weekend. So super psyched for about that. Um, but you know, I think it was a good time all around. It was. It really was. You know, the the weather was definitely spring. <laughs> <laughs> it's like no matter what year we go down, we always get this surprise, like cold snap in a sense. You know, I mean, it was what thirty degrees uh, Sunday morning, I believe. So, <laughs> yeah. 
crazy. I'm, I'm still hoping that one of these years I go, it's going to be warm. Now, I, though, I got down there on Thursday and it was, it actually was pretty warm Thursday. Mm-hmm. You know, I, yeah. I was, it was fishing in shorts and a t-shirt. So it was, it was nice. It was, it was definitely nice. Um, and then, uh, you know, we came back home uh, Sunday night uh, slash Monday morning. I think we got in about 1 15 a.m. And, uh, you know, it was kind of cold, but uh, I was really salty because the next morning I saw all over Facebook that like the northern half of the U.S. got to see the northern lights, <laughs> and which we had missed by two hours. Uh, I was like, no! <laughs> that would have been an awesome drive home. Had yes, you had I know. And I'm surprised like we didn't see anything either, but I, I think it was just the timing of where we were and whatnot. So yeah, I was just like, Oh, dang it. (laughs) (laughs) Well, um, I, you know, uh, that was definitely a fun time and, uh, you know, thanks for everybody who joined in for those guys who fished the event. Uh, we had some amazing bags. The guy who won first just crushed it. Like he took big bass both days and got first in the tournament. So he, uh, went home with his pockets. Definitely pretty heavy. Yeah. And I mean, like, you gotta, we gotta admit, you know, too, like, out of all the tournaments that have been around, I'm pretty sure we blew every tournament out of the water when it comes to big bass payout. I mean, it was $2,020 both days. I mean, what, what tournament can tra- trail can, uh, you know, right. top that? Even native, the big bass hour is only a thousand right. for big bass. So, you know, right. still so yeah, that crazy. was, that was awesome. And, uh, yeah, uh, Rob, Robert Knoll, right. Yep. Um, yeah, he went home with, uh, pretty much like six grand. Dang. Woo. <laughs> so I'm still uh, looking forward to, I started listening to the, sh- uh, the, the reel down show about that, you know, where they interviewed him. Cause I'd like to just hear what the heck I did wrong, you know? Right. <laughs> but uh, anyway, we still caught fish, you know, both Susie and I uh, were lucky enough to, to catch some fish down there. I was right around the corner from Susie when she caught a big one, I heard her yelling, you know? <laughs> so that was cool to see in person, you know, but uh, that's right. <laughs> definitely some good times. But anyway, the reason why we're here tonight is um, we're, we have a special guest with us who has been on Paddle and Fin before, um, but we're going to talk to him about uh, spring crankbaiting uh, tonight. Uh, just uh, some one of the, my favorite techniques, uh, one of my first kind of confidence techniques, so I'm looking forward to diving deep into that, but uh, let's welcome Craig Dye back to the show. Welcome back, sir. What's up, Sean? Not Dude, much, man. What's going on? <laughs> Not much. So, uh, you know, it's been a, a while. It's been uh, at least three years since you've been on the Noob Show. Uh, and I, I'm not 100% sure when you were last on uh, Paddle and Fin in general. But I figured to give you a uh, chance to let folks know, for those who maybe haven't seen you or don't know who you are, uh, you know, basically who you are, where you're from, kind of what brought you to this point in, in, in fishing and kayak angling. And, you know, I know, you know, you've had your hand in the industry for quite a while. So um, just let folks know, you know kind of how you got here well um really i'll just i'll make it quick but i, I started i started I, I grew up in louisiana um just you know i went to lsu and did all that deal and i um i ended up here in georgia uh, work work brought me here but i, I fish you know redfish and saltwater, and i fished a, a lot for bass and ponds growing up 
And then when I moved to Georgia, this is where I actually really discovered uh, kayak fishing. That's actually my girlfriend and I were looking for something to do together. And we noticed there's awesome rivers all around, you know, Atlanta and North Georgia. And we so we started, we got a tandem kayak and we did that a little while. I think a lot of y'all know how this goes. Like it's fun for a little while, but, you know, you eventually <laughs> want to get your own kayak and kind of go your, your separate ways. And, and that, that's what kind of what we did. And, and I'm super competitive, man. And, and I started learning about uh, uh, kayak tournaments. And this is when uh, Drew Gregory started the river basking way oh, back yeah. in the day, uh, doing it out of Bath Pro Shops. I'm sure y'all remember that. That was a long time ago. It was probably maybe, I don't know, eight, 10 years ago or something like that. And I, I fished the first season he did it. I was there. I was part of that, which was really cool. And then uh, just fast forward a few more months, I started, you know, getting, you know, getting a you know, better quality kayak. I started in like a, uh, I think it was a future beach from uh, Dick's Sporting Goods. <laughs> and uh, then, I, I, then I went into like a wilderness systems um, tarpon and then uh, moved my way up into the ride. And anyway, then I moved to Nashville and that's where actually I became good friends with, uh, with Chad Hoover. And that's when the KVF, uh, all the trails started. So I happened to be in Atlanta when the river bathing came through when Drew started it. In Nashville, when Chad started the KBF trails and all the KBF stuff, and that's when I met Chad, was in Nashville. Became good friends with him. And, man, I've been I've been fishing the KBF stuff, and I fished some of the Hobie events and the Bass events. And, you know, now I'm back in Georgia, and, you know, a few sponsors later, I just, you know, Chad helped me get, you know, get that, you know, started off back in the day, and I, I really thank him for that. But now I'm here in Georgia, and I fish, you know, like, if it's tournament's close and it works in my schedule, you know, I don't care what tournament trail it is. If, if it's a lake I want to go to, I'm just going to go. So I don't fish as many national events as I used to, but um, uh, while in Tennessee, I had a couple state championships there. And, you know, I've, I've had, a, I've had a, you know, a decent amount of wins, but, you know, lately with, with two young boys and soccer and stuff like this going on, you know, I don't, I don't get to compete as much as I like to, but, but I fish a lot. You know, I fish it once a week, and I still like to do a lot of video stuff. You, you probably know that. But um, oh yeah, that's kind of it, man. I'm here and still doing it. I mean, I, I've been doing it maybe ten years now. So that's awesome. Yeah, yeah. That, that yeah. definitely makes you kind of one of the OG, man. You know, I know. It's, <laughs> I don't. Know, it's, it's weird, man, because like I'm I'm 40, but like I'm not the young guys, but I'm not like the old guys. I'm like, just, <laughs> I don't know. I'm in the middle, so I don't. Know. That's so, a good mix. It's a good mix. But, so. Yeah. Well, yeah, Atlanta, yeah. are you, uh, do you happen to be a Braves fan? Uh, I am, you know, growing up, you know, we, we were, we were Astros fans. Cause that's what my dad always watched on TV, you know, we're close to Houston, but uh, I've become a Braves fan. I, I go to a few games a year. I'm only, I only live like 25 minutes from the stadium. Awesome. So, awesome. Um, I'm a yeah, stranger in a strange land being a Braves fan in Pennsylvania. So, you know, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> look, you want to go, if you want to go to the game, come stay here, man. We'll shoot down there and go. Oh, that'd be awesome. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, for real. But cool. Awesome. Um, well, I, I know, um, you know, like you said, uh, you've been, you know, busy in the industry, obviously. And um, but, you know, you, your videos definitely are are very informative and stuff. And and I think, you know, that's what originally uh, drew us to have you on the show initially. And, and and again, that's I was talking to Brian a little bit. I was like, man, I, I'd really like to talk to someone about uh, crankbaiting. You know, he's. I was like, who do you who do you think I should talk to? He's like, Oh, you got to talk to Craig Dye. So I was like, okay. So, uh, and had I done a little research in the, in, you know, beforehand, I probably would have realized that we actually did do uh, a little bit of a crankbaiting episode way back in 2020, but I'm excited yeah. to talk to you again because uh, my knowledge and skills have 
kind of definitely grown since then. So uh, I'm sure there are things that uh, we didn't talk about back then that we can talk about tonight. But, um, you know, we specifically, Absolutely. we were going to kind of talk about why why crankbaiting in the spring is really, you know, uh, something to, to look at. And uh, I figured we could jump into that, you know. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I kind so, of. Um, good. Sorry. No, that's okay. I was just going to say, so, you know, why, what, what makes you, what's, what makes um, the crankbait something you want to pick up in the springtime? What, what's ideal about that? Um, the number one reason is the fish are always on the move. Um, they're either coming in from deep water, you know, to secondary points. They're looking to spawn. I mean, obviously when they're spawning, they're hanging out, but they're not going to be there very long. So they're constantly on the move. And the cool thing about crankbait fishing, which I love, like, I'm a power fisher. I love moving. I like fishing current. I like, you know, I like putting my trolling troll motor on if I'm using the, uh, like, the motor guide. I just like to cover water and just get, you know, catch those active fish. But the main thing about the spring is these fish are moving all the time. Like, you just feel like they're, you know, they're, they could be in, you know, 15 foot one day and you get a few warm days and they want to get up and spawn. All of a sudden, they're in three or four feet, you know, and all of a sudden they're, you know, they're in two feet, you know, and it's just a great way to, it's a great way to locate fish, number one, because you can cover so much water with a crankbait. That's probably the number one reason is the fish are on the move and you can cover a lot of water and find fish quickly. And I, I think that's kind of, you know, what made me fall in love with it first, because I, the first few baits that I, I really had confidence in were very, very slow presentations like uh, wacky rig yeah. or, and uh-huh. it, it's something, that, you know, that just is not easy to cover water with. And um, you know, living on the Susquehanna and the size of it, you know, m- finding fish there can be hard because there is so much place to places to look. And, um, so when I did kind of pick up a crankbait and started, you know, learning that craft, you know, it, it definitely helped me to, to find more fish on the river because, you know, you can cover so much water and I, I so I can definitely see what you're saying there. Yeah. And also a lot of times you'll, you'll, the fish either got to eat it. Or they got to get out of the way. That's that's the, like in, in my mind. Like that's kind of how I'm looking at it. like you know, especially especially in like in a river situation where those, you know, when you have current, you have eddies and these these seams. Like you know where these fish are going to be most likely. Like you just know. You know what I mean? And you can put that crankbait right on them and throw it. You know, up current and bring it with the current. And those man, and when they eat it, Sean, you know. I mean that feeling when they hit it and knock the slack out of your line. It's the best. Oh yeah, it's hard. Yep. It's hard to beat. It's hard to beat. Absolutely, and that that was one of the th- the things that I definitely had in my notes to talk about was fishing a crankbait in current because you know mm-hmm. I um I, I I I've had way more luck on it uh, in current and on the river than I have like on my local lakes. There's, there's places on my local lakes where it works for me, like a, a riprap bank or something like that. Um, but, mm-hmm. uh, I've definitely had more success sitting in current or, you know, casting it in current in seams and like, like you're saying, Eddie's like that. So. Yeah. I, and I, I mean, personally, I, I prefer to fish like that. Um, actually one of the state championships that I won in Tennessee, it wasn't on a river, but it was wind blowing. Um, they had a bridge with riprap, you know, and the wind was blowing hard. It was blowing like 10 or 15, 20 miles an hour, creating a creating crazy amount of current around these rocks, right? And I was throwing a big 5XD upwind, pulling it down, let it hit off those rocks. And I had caught like two smallmouth, you know, maybe three or four pounds and won the state championship doing that. That's 
that's something about I was going to talk about later as we get into this, but you know, finding that like windy bank or that current or that seam, and I mean that's that's something that I think you know we're talking about noobs here, right? Like that's something that every most guys are going to miss. Like they're just not that windy bank. That's where you need to be. It's hard to fish. It's a pain to fish, but you know this time of year the water's getting warmer. You know, especially if the water's clear, that windy bank is where you got to be to get by, especially on a crankbait. No, and that's that's definitely good to to note. And and that was definitely going to be one of the things I wanted to talk about because, yeah. um, you know, some folks will just go out and and chuck and wind that thing all day long and and not be yeah. where the fish are, and and that can make for a long and tiring day on your arm when you're just out there chucking and winding, you know, but if you can kind of narrow your, uh, your area where you're casting down, you know, and, and make smart choices like that, like, like you're saying, windblown banks and, and, uh, you know, riprap banks and that kind of thing and put, put the pieces together, it's going to make you a lot more successful, I think. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Absolutely. Right. And it's, uh, it'll, um, you'll get addicted to it quick. That's for sure. Oh yeah. <laughs> Susie, do you have much of a crankbait bite? Uh, well, you, are? you know, Banner I was Marsh actually and... going to pick Craig's mind a little bit just to kind of, you know, put this in a little bit more of an aspect for noobs. So, you know, when you're fishing a crankbait and you're kind of wanting to fish areas that may not have like riprap or something like that, or, or it may just be like a very weedy lake or type of thing. Um, it may be easy for people to think, oh, well, I have to have structure to fish a crankbait, but that's not always the case. Yeah, um, that's true. Um, that There's actually, it's funny you say that because um, when I was fishing the Bassmaster Championship on Chickamauga, um, and that, that was a very tough event. I don't know if y'all followed it very closely, but uh, they lowered the water big time, right? Mm -hmm. so, so to your point, everything that's good in that way, was out of the water, three, four feet. Every good stump, every log, every brush pile, every tree that's fallen off the bank, it's all dry. And all you have is these dirt banks. And you're like, this lake is supposed to be awesome. Top 10 in the country. Why can't I catch a fish? I mean, go back and look at the results of that tournament. It was brutal. Like day two, no current. Like it was rough. But what I discovered late on day two, it actually moved me up 30 spots. On Late on day two of that tournament, um, there's a lot of wind in the afternoon right and there's this bank that has a little bit of depth to it and i knew the wind was blowing on it because i was on the side. i could see the wind coming around so i i go up there there's nothing on that bank it's just it's just a clay bank but what's okay. happening is the water they stopped the current on chickamauga the water got super clear like three four five foot visibility and it almost looked like lake Lanier out there like it was clear <laughs> wow but that wind on the that wind on that bank is creating a mud line from the clay right <laughs> And there's nothing on that bank, nothing. But that mud line, you know, bait fish go up in there, the bass go up in there, they want to be shallow. They went in there and I started throwing a square bill and a chatter bait and I caught two big fish in the last 30 minutes of the tournament. <laughs> and if I would have caught two more, I probably would have been in the top 20, but I think I ended up like 35th, 38th out of like 160. So that's still good. It was, it was, yeah, it Given was the good, conditions, yeah. It was brutal out there, I'm telling you, it was brutal. But what I'm saying is, there was nothing on that bank. But right, what it was featureless. Is that, yeah. that mud line, that wind blowing, you know, some bait, some shad maybe got into that mud line and they feel protected and the bass were right there to ambush them. So, um, yeah, you don't always have to be banging it off a log or rock 
or the edge of grass. It just kind of depends on the conditions. If there's a lot of bait, you see a lot of bait flickering everywhere, you know, mm -hmm. that type of deal. That's something to look for. So I don't know if that helps or not. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> yeah. And I know, um, uh, so let's start out with um, tackle because that made a huge deal for me. I, I, I remember, you know, the first couple of times I threw it, I really didn't like the crankbait and it was because I was throwing it on totally the wrong equipment. Um, I ended up, uh, this mm -hmm. is back early days. So I was totally a, a budget fisherman. And uh, uh, I remember buying a crankbait rod, a casking crankbait rod off of a dude on uh, Craigslist. Um, and, you know, as soon as I bought that rod, it made a huge difference on my hookup percentage, on how I could work it, the depth I could get my crankbait to. So uh, I was going to have you talk a little bit about and now I know it's, it's it can be different depending on the, you know, the type of crankbait you're throwing, because obviously uh, a 6XD is going to be different sure. than a, a square bell. But uh, in general, sure. what are you what are you talking for rod and, you know, that kind of thing? Yeah, well, I brought just for the fun of it, why not, right? Yeah, absolutely. Love it. Uh, I mean, if we're going to talk about it, why not bring it in here? Okay, I won't knock something over. <laughs> you don't have a ceiling so fan this, in that room, do you? <laughs> uh, yeah, but it's off. So, <laughs> um, this is this is my. I probably throw this rod. I just this rod is my favorite rod. This this is um, you know, if you want to spend a little more money, this is a Saint Croix Legend glass rod, right? Nice. So this is the. I think it's six foot ten. Yeah, this is a six foot ten. And I like this rod. It's shorter. Um, it's a it's a medium action rod with a moderate tip. And look, and I know like you can go on YouTube and search hundred you know best equipment for crankbait. And most of the time, they're just you know really the main thing you got to know is you want a rod that has some give to it. And because that's super important. Because well, there's a few reasons. Like number one reason is like when you cast when you have cast a rod, you want to have a nice soft tip, right? So when you're reeling it in, you're reeling it through a brush pile or over rock or whatever it is down there, um, that rod's going to have some give to allow that bait to bounce off, you know, to like basically kind of ricochet off instead of digging in and getting hooked, you know, and then rolling and then you're hung up. But it's just going to allow that bait to hit and then bounce off and turn sideways and just keep going. So that's, that's, that's not, you know, probably the number one thing is you can fish it just like you do a spinner bait or a chatter bait or a swim jig. I mean, look, you're going to get hung, hung up sometimes. That's just, you know, that's just life, you know, with all these treble hooks, it, it's going to happen. It's going to say then. it's a treble hook bait. So <laughs> that does happen. Yeah. But um, to answer your question, I mean, for a square bill, for fishing, you know, six, six or eight feet or shallower, you know, I like this, the six ten right here. Um, let me look. I brought this one. I think is a seven three. Now this is, this is actually a um, St. Croix of victory. This is a, um, they call this a heavy moderate. So it's got kind of a stiff backbone, but a super soft tip. So I throw chatter baits and also throw uh, square bills, like heavier square bills, like the KVD 2.5s. Mm -hmm. I don't have any out right now, but you got the bigger, bigger square bills. And then um, oh, that's just a, that's just another six foot six. So the other one I have here, actually, this is a good, this is a great, like, this is like a hundred dollar rod. This is this is actually one of my favorite rods. This is a the Bass X rod, and this is a six foot six rod. I love this rod when I'm fishing the river and like the Etowah River when I don't have a lot of room to cast like a lot of like you get you have to go under a lot of overhangs. And I, and I, want, I use that. It's a six foot six. It's also a medium, you know, action with a moderate tip. That's the number one thing. Just remember that. 
you're throwing a crankbait, medium action, moderate tip. Now you can look if they're biting and those fish are super aggressive, you can throw a medium heavy rod and catch them on a crankbait. But I'm just telling you, in a tournament, y'all know how this goes. In a tournament, they're gonna bite this hook, <laughs> right? And and it's gonna be hook like barely skin hook, right? And pra- in practice, it's gonna look like that. Right? <laughs> right? You're gonna see like that in his mouth, you know, but in tournaments that doesn't happen. So just to Avoid the heartbreak. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, what, yeah. What uh, what ratio reel do you use with your crankbaits? Is it the same, or do you vary it up? That that's a good question. I actually, I'm a big fan of like the six eight to one. Mm-hmm. And uh, for people who don't know, that's kind of like in the middle of the road. Um, you know, like some a lot of guys who go for like deep cranking, big heavy crankbaits, like that five one to one. Which basically, if you don't if you don't know what that means, it basically means you're going to reel really fast, and your bait's going to go slow, but it creates a lot of power, right? So that's like um, like riding a mountain bike when you're in a low gear, you're pedaling super fast to get up that hill. That's basically what it does, you know. So that's kind of a good way to think about it. But I like something kind of right in the middle. And the reason is, is because those kayaks are always moving. And, like, you hook a big fish, it's going to pull you toward him. A bass boat's just going to sit there. So I don't like a super slow reel, even though, you know, they say to use these super slow, like, five, three to ones. You know, mm-hmm. I, I like that medium, like, kind of right in the middle, six, eight. That's what I use. I use uh, I use all the lose uh, custom. They're called Custom speed spools, I forget speed spools. Called, yep. but, and um, and I use six eight to ones, and, and I use the mess out of them. And I, I mean, I go through them, but you know, when you're cranking, you just you put a lot of wear and tear on those, on those, you know, especially how much I, I just love crankbait fishing so much. I, I mean, I probably do it too much to a fault, <laughs> but I've just caught, I've caught so many fish doing it. And I just love that feel of of running your bait on off like a log or a brush pile or. <laughs> You know, even in current, and you just feel them eat it. I mean, it's just, your rod just like loads mm-hmm. up. Yeah, guys, it's the best, man. And if you and if you know what I'm talking about, you know what I'm talking about. If not, you need to get out there and do it. <laughs> no, and I can definitely echo that because, um, you know, looking online, I did read a lot where you want a slower reel. So I went out and bought yeah. like a. It was something in the fives, like a five five one or something. Yeah. And I really didn't like it. Like I, I felt like I was it's constantly hard. trying to keep up with it and. You know, mm-hmm. you know, it just was was a struggle. So I bumped up slightly higher, and it, it definitely made a, a world of difference to me. Um, you know, uh, so I can definitely recommend that too. Uh, you know, there are there is a time and place for it, but uh, for just your standard kind of crankbait fishing, I would say you know definitely bump up the speed a little bit. Not now we're not not talking like high speed reels. You know, even no, max I- seven. You know, probably be top end. Maybe I don't know. Yeah, well, you you can overwork the bait, and, and I mean, it, it just—I don't know. I, I just that's six eight, six five to one. It just seems like for me, it's just a perfect speed, you know. Yep. So, and also, I use the same thing on spinner baits and chatter baits. So most of my moving baits are all the same gear ratio, just so I know. I just know, like you know, you, that cadence. You just kind of get used to that one cadence, you know. Absolutely. Um, you know, I have a, I think I have a higher speed for like my whopper ploppers and my, mm-hmm. um, like my faster moving stuff, you know, buzz baits and wallet, like you know, my spooks and stuff like that. Like this rod, this six foot six is actually, it's, I got, I have braid on it now, but I have my whopper plopper on here. But this is what I use for all my top water, you know, like poppers, um, spooks and whopper ploppers, mm-hmm. so, yeah, you know, and, ha- and having that, 
once again, having that soft rod helps keep those fish hooked. Even when you're throwing braid, it'll, you know, it'll help keep the fish hooked. So, you know. So that, that, anyway. that brings up a good thing. So we've talked uh, rod and reel. Let's talk line for a little bit. So um, are you, yeah. I know some uh, crankbait guys are diehard floor all the way, you know, no, no mm -hmm. line to leader or anything like that. Uh, what's your, what's your thoughts on that? Um, I, I'm kind of old school, man. I, um, this is here, right here. Good old monofilament. <laughs> really? Nice. Awesome. Look, look. Until it stops working, <laughs> I'm going to quit using it. But for fishing, like shallow cranking, like 10, 12 foot and shallower, um, monofilament works fine. I love the stretch. I just love any opportunity to not lose a fish. And having the, the rod, you know, that has that, you know, nice soft tip combined with the, the stretch from the mono. Uh, I mean, you got to think, we fished mono forever. I mean, I didn't fish fluorocarbon until I was, what? 25 years old i mean i caught plenty of fish back in the day on monofilament you know and it's cheap and and because i, I do fish trend based a lot i go through i like to have a full try to keep your spool full um also you know you don't when you get that spool too low it's going to feel like you're you're throwing that five one to one it's going to be hard to, to keep it working but so i changed my line a lot and uh mono is cheap and you can i mean this this is a thousand thousand yards and i've had this for a couple of years you know so <laughs> you know like if it just feels a little low and a little weird, I'm gonna go rip off a lot off and just fill it up real quick. You know, I, I use 12 pound. Um, if you're fishing super clear, like if you're on Lanier or you know somewhere up north where you you know you have five five six you know foot visibility, you can go to eight or even ten. Um, I just I just went to 12. I like 12, especially on a river, you know, because the river things can get a little squirrely. You hook one, he's around a log, you know. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but and. It, but also like square goes, a lot of guys like to use like 17 pound, um, 15 pound. Like if you're fishing shallow and you're in a big fish lake and it's muddy and you're fishing shallow, uh, throwing big square bills, you know, maybe 15 pound or 17 pound work just fine. You know? Cool. Do you no, feel that uh, yeah. when you use mono, since it floats, it also helps with like maybe some of the action a little bit? Cause I know sometimes when you're retrieving a crankbait, and you're letting it bounce off of stuff. Sometimes you'll let it pause, and then yeah. sometimes that's when you get the bites as well. Didn't know if you noticed any difference with that, or if you tried uh, mono versus fluoro. Um, I I've honestly stuck stuck with mono. Um, it's just something I really like. I I mean, and look, most you look ninety nine percent of the pros use fluorocarbon on crankbaits, but until somebody proves me that it doesn't work. <laughs> I'll probably stop using it, you know, but for me, it works, it works really well. Um, when it comes to, you know, that's, I'm glad you brought that up because that's something that people are new to crankbait fishing are going to have to deal with and kind of learn. Like when you're reeling a crankbait and you kind of feel it start to get snagged, the first thing you do is just stop. Let it just go. Stop. And yep. a lot of times I don't have, actually, yeah, I do. A lot of times it'll float out. If you just give it a second, you know, it'll back up and it'll float back out. But something I've been throwing more recent, more recently, um, in the past, really three or probably four or five years. Uh, this is the the Rocco. This is um, Rapala, the Rocco. You've probably seen that before. Um, these are balsa, and um, balsa it floats like they float up a lot quicker. It's a lot more buoyant than plastic, mm -hmm. so it will help. I imagine, you know, Odd Depot, I, I think Odd Depot lost too many DT6s in his life. <laughs> and that's why he, 
And that's why he created that rocker that had that more square build to help him knock off a little bit. But he really wanted that buoyancy, you know, I think, because it does help the bait back up. And it happens a lot of current, too. You'll, like, get wedged in a rock. You'll feel it. You're like, oh, i got to pedal up there and get it out. It's a pain in the current. Because sometimes if you just wait a second, it'll, it'll float out. It'll back up. Yep. Yeah. Balsa was definitely going to be on my list uh, of questions just because I – um, you know, that, that mm-hmm. definitely seems to be, you know, in my experience, especially, you know, you know, we're talking springtime here, but I've had luck w- in pretty cold water cranking balsa, you know? And oh, yeah. uh, so yeah. It, that was definitely kind of an eye opener for me way later or earlier into the season than you, I would th- normally pick up a crankbait. Uh, I've had luck. Mm-hmm. Um, cause a lot of times the balsa action can be a, just a little bit different too than a, than a normal uh, plastic crankbait. So. Yeah, I, I love – I'm a huge fan of the DT6. Um, when I moved to Nashville, Tennessee in 2014 and started fishing around, like, Percy Priest Lake is full of rock. A lot of the rivers are full of rock. You know, I was about Kentucky Lake, Old Hickory. And I just I just caught fish on those DT6s, and I just loved it. It has that nice tight wobble. And they're a little more expensive, but the thing about Rapala, I think it's, it's worth the money because you never have to tune those crankbaits. Like when you buy them, they are dead straight. And like, I've never bought one where I put it in the water and it's running off to the side. Cause I, let me tell you, I hate tuning crankbaits. I don't <laughs> like it. I'd rather just grab a new one. I'd rather just put it on the shelf. I mean, I'll do it if I have to in a tournament for something that's just right. But I just, I just, I'm not a big fan of it, but, um, yeah, that balsa, I've caught so many fish on that DT6 and DT10 crankbait that it's it's my number one confidence all-time bait right now. Like, And it have, it, it, I kind of learned it from fishing, you know, year-round in Nashville. You know, it gets pretty cold there. But, I mean, I've caught them in the, the water. It's like 45, 46 degrees is the coldest I've caught them. Mm-hmm. I mean, you could throw it from 45 degrees up to, you know, middle of summer. I yeah. Mean, it, I mean, if they're eating shad, they're going to eat a crankbait. Yeah. So, well, speaking of that, then um, one of the questions that I've had asked a lot is um, how do you know when to, you know, when do you do a, a square bill or when do you like, obviously depth, your DT sixes and DT tens, the sure. main thing that you're getting there is depth, but is that the, the mm-hmm. only difference or what, 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 what kind of dictates what you're going to throw? Um, most of the time for me, it's uh, water clarity. Okay. And, and the time of year. You know, and, and also kind of what, what baits around, kind of what I'm fishing around. But, um, you know, like, for example, um, down in Florida, um, fishing the KBF trail down there, I'll try to catch them on this this Strike King Hybrid Hunter. Yep. You see, and the water was pretty clear where I was at, so you can see it's kind of it's kind of clear. But this right here is this the way this lip is built. I don't know the, the science of it, but it works really great when it comes through grass. Um, it just has a way to come through and doesn't get hung up a lot. It kind of protects the hooks you know, as they come through. Um, so that's kind of, you know, it's kind of where I start there. And the water's, you know, really clear there. So Is that kind of like a like a wake, wake bait one that you were just uh, holding up? Is it pretty shallow or is it just like different just because of that bill? Well, they make different ones. This one maybe goes down about three feet. So, so okay. I, I work this just like a square boat crankbait, but I'm throwing this around grass. Okay. So this is new to striking. This only came out, I think, in the last few months or maybe the last year or so. I was going to say, um, I think it was a year or so ago, but yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe a year or two. Uh, I'm not 100% sure, mm-hmm. but um, it's actually really cool. And it actually works pretty good around uh, laydowns, too. It's just something different. 
And uh, this is the small one. They have a much bigger one. I, I don't know the size of it exactly, but they have. I should a, go up and get one. my crankbait box. I can't figure, believe I forgot <laughs> that. <laughs> but um, I, um, when it comes to clarity, you know, if, if the water's clear, um, you know, in the river, in the lake, doesn't matter. I like to throw these more kind of translucent colors. Mm-hmm. Um, this is the uh, Berkeley Pitbull. Uh, I think it's called like Morning Dawn or something like that. Nice. Um, you know, if, if it's like most lakes I come to, you know, I'm throwing just this regular DT6, just the shad color. I think this is called Shiner. I, I'm not 100% mm-hmm. sure. Um, or, you know, or I, I'm like, if the water's not super clear, super muddy, anything shad color, you're probably going to catch them. I mean, if you're in the right area, you know, you're throwing around the right stuff. You're probably going to catch them. So I throw, I throw a lot of natural colors like these here. And, um, you know, I have like, in, like this right here, I fished the steam plant. Look at this thing. Oh I fished the steam plant a lot in uh, Tennessee when I was there. <laughs> and you and you could fish all winter, right? Because the, the water was warm. Well, so warm. You know, yeah. You'd be 15 degrees outside, and that's the best time to go because every shad in the whole river wants to be in that warm water. And uh, I, this, this, this is from throwing on those flats at the steam plant <laughs> and just wore the tail off. <laughs> that's awesome. So, but, these, you know, these kind of – I don't think people should – I mean, look, these guys who paint Craig Bates, they're good, but the details they put into them – I mean, look, that thing is going by like this. Like, <laughs> right. You know what I mean? Like I, I'm big on like just shades and colors and um, I forget this is I forget what they call this color. This is one of my favorite. Oh, that's a oyster. Though. Yeah, yeah, oyster. I've right. got that. A, I've got that one right there. I know that it just, one. It just looks like it's been sitting out in the sun for a week. You know, it just <laughs> has that cool like something about that color. But probably my you know my go to. Uh, probably my go to. I want more money on on the Helsinki Shad DT6 mm-hmm. than anything. Um, just, it's just that color. I don't know. It's just, it just works. But I will say this while I got everything, I got everything right here. Um, talking about, you know, how to work a crankbait. We'll get into that more, but, but you see the difference here on these, uh, Oh yeah. <laughs> yep. <laughs> you see that? That's what you want your bait to look. It doesn't look like that. You're not working it right. <laughs> so you can tell that, uh, this bait is just absolutely been Dang. hammered on rocks. And hitting yep. everything that it can, so um, that's that's a way to get bit on a crankbait real quick, you know. Cool, and and so, um, like, are you like when you're throwing, looking to throw a DT six? Are you pretty much looking at six foot of water, or or what depth are you look like when you're like, oh yeah, that's D, that's DT six territory there. Um, the thing is, you know, on twelve pound line, you know, and having a good rod, I mean. And I'll say this real quick about reels. Um, spend a little bit more, a little bit more money on a reel. You know, if you're going to get out there and do it, believe me, you want to be able to make long casts. You want to be able to. It's just like spend at least a hundred dollars on a reel. It's just it's going to make your life so much easier. I'm telling you. So the, you know, the new guys listening to this, number one tip: spend a little more money on a reel if you want to get into crankbait fishing. It'll pay off. Um, but for a DT6, uh, what I was going to say is, you asked about depth. Is that on a long cast, I can get it down to eight, nine, sometimes ten feet. You okay. Know? So if you're casting it really far, you know, as long as you're not, you know, moving forward, um, you can you can get it down there. So I mean, really four feet to ten feet. Um, you know, I'll throw a DT6. But in current, if I'm casting up current, like if I'm fishing like Susquehanna or the Etowah or the Tennessee River. 
um, when I'm fishing like the tail races underneath the dams on Tennessee River, if I'm sitting in say six or eight feet fishing current, I'm throwing a DT10 because you got to have a little bit more depth to get it down there because it's moving with that current and you're trying to fight it. And if you try to keep a DT6 down there, it's going to be really tough. So I always up my crankbait, you know, to the next depth, one or two feet. So you, so you are ticking those rocks the whole time you're down there, you know, trying to try to, that's the key is in current, especially like Tennessee river, big water, you know, a lot of current is, those fish are down there behind those rocks, just just am waiting to ambush. But the problem is fishing crankbaits up there. There's a lot of rock down there, and if you, if you're like digging deep, you're gonna get hung up every time. And you're like, that's ten dollars, that's eight dollars, <laughs> you know. And then you're just mad, and then you just want to go home, right? So, but the yep. the key, as as you know, Sean, is just to just you just barely want to take those rocks, but you got to get down there. If you don't get down there, I mean, you're gonna catch you'll catch a lot of drum. You know, but, but I, think the, I think the key to getting down there is just that's the thing about the depth is in current, just go one crankbait deeper than you would probably go. Gotcha. No, that makes a lot of yeah. sense. And yeah, and uh, you're, it's definitely, it. you know, like you said, pulling it through current makes a make a makes a big difference. And and even, you know, whether you're going upstream or downstream makes a huge difference, you know, it uh, versus yeah. what you're feeling. But. Um, yeah, I definitely agree with that. And, and that, that's one thing that, you know, initially on the Susky, you know, they always joke, it's a, you know, a mile wide, but a foot deep. And so, um, there's definitely yeah. places yeah. where, where you throw the square bill a lot because it is, you know, two, three foot deep, but there's yeah. also places and, and channels where, you know, I can think of quite a few places right by me where it, it is in that six to eight foot range. And, uh, with the DT six, you know, it, it is tough to get it down there for any length yeah. of time, you know? you know? Yeah. Yeah. Like you get it down there about, you know, 10 feet of your cast and you just, you're not in that target area of it first. You know, the goal is to get it down there quick and keep it down there and just have them react on it, you know? So, um, yeah. And fishing the current can be tricky, you know, especially if you've never done it before. You don't know if you're doing it right. You don't know. Like, it's it's, it's kind of weird and it just takes time and a lot of practice. Yep. And uh, carry a plug knocker with you. Uh, that's another one of yeah. my uh, money saving tips. Cause Holy cow. That is yeah. uh, for, for the price of like a three pack of plug knockers. It has probably saved me hundreds of dollars. I think easy. Yeah. Uh, I, I don't, I don't even want to know. You don't know. A plug knock, it's a, it's a little weight that you, uh, when you get snagged up, you, just clip it on your line and you drop it. Oh, okay. pop it twice and nine times out of ten, everything comes back up, you know. Okay. I think I've probably heard them of something different, but I was like a plug knocker? Like <laughs> Yeah, they're called lots of different things, I think. Uh lore retriever or uh uh but I, I always call them plug knockers. But uh <laughs> the, the the problem I have with them is they take time. Well, oh, I'm yeah. in a tournament. In I a just, tournament, right. You, right. I just break that thing off. <laughs> I'm like, I, I don't want to know. I don't want my wife to know. Much, hey, what happens when the noob show stays on the <laughs> yeah. Except for anybody who listens, but yeah. yeah. You know, I, I was thinking about, about this show and kind of what we were going to do, what we were talking about. It, and I just, I just want to say, like, if you're new to crankbait fishing, you want to get into this. The main thing is, you know, obviously the right rod, the right, you know, you can use mono or fluorocarbon, whatever you want to do. I don't, I don't suggest spray, but the main thing is, I would say get a square bill, go fish in two to five foot of water and just run water. 
and learn how to, you know, how to work around wood and logs and, you know, you know, and just, just stick with it, stick with it, stick with it. It'll surprise you. You know, you, you can catch a lot of big fish, but just make sure you have a, you know, a, you know, a medium rod with a moderate action and just, that's, that's really going to help you not, not have a very frustrating day, you know? Absolutely. So. Um, how about uh silent versus rattles? Uh, do you have a time when you go for one versus the other? Obviously, you know, you'd think maybe dark water or uh, muddy or colored water, you want, might want some sound or, or if you're in a high pressured area, you might not want as much sound, you know? Yeah, that's, you pretty much, that's exactly what I do. I actually have a, I have a hard knocker here. I don't even hear, and then I have a silent. I have two of them, so if you can see, one has. That's my favorite color, color right there. <laughs> oh yeah, the uh, chartreuse of black back. Yep. Yeah, I, I, yeah, in like a little bit of stained water, or, or even early in the morning on clear water days, or a foggy day. You know, these the chartreuse is really, really good. You know, but um, sometimes I use a silent one. I don't use silent ones a lot, but. You're right. If if there if there's a lot of people around or they're just barely biting the bait or not, you, know, you just want to try something different, I definitely recommend picking up a silent crankbait. I mean, look, these hooks are still going to hit against this bait. It's it's still going to make a lot of noise coming through there, but it will just be different than. I mean, how many people have KVD 1.5 that have that same sound? You know, like after KVD started crushing on every everywhere, you know, <laughs> um, or or you can uh, you can switch over to a you know like the 1.0 the striking 1.0 just smaller um i actually like to throw this on a spinning rod you can throw it on a bait caster but if it's windy out you know i'll get a spinning rod and i'll get 10 pound braid and you know maybe like eight pound leader you know do like a you got six or eight foot leader uh, but on a spin rod you can cast it a long way and um you know just sometimes get that bite that you won't get you know on a bigger crankbait so when it comes to, you know, choosing the different sizes of square bills, when do you go really big and when do you go really small? Yeah. Well, like I just said, it, um, probably a good example would be if it's a calm, slick day and the water's clear, um, it's sometimes going to be tough to catch them on a crankbait just because they get a really good look at it. Um, but usually in the morning, you can always catch, especially like on smallmouth lakes, like um, Center Hill Lake. Um, Tim's Ford, you know, those smallmouth are kind of roaming early in the morning, even if the water's clear and there's no wind. Um, I, you know, I like to throw a smaller crankbait or something more natural color. Um, and then if, if I'm in a big fish lake and I, there's a little stain to the water, I might pick up the KVD 2.5, um, which is a lot bigger. You know, I think it goes down a little bit deeper too, like maybe five or six feet. But I mean, it just kind of depends on the conditions, you know, like super clear, um, calm day, you can downsize. Um, if it's muddy, if you have some wind, you know, just, just the regular, you know, KVD 1.5 square bill is perfect. It's, it just depends. Gotcha. Gotcha. I know, um, another one of the big questions that I get asked a lot is, uh, for retrieve, you know, and mm -hmm. it, I know you, 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 you talked about how you can work it too fast. And I think when I first started, that was definitely something I was totally guilty of. And, uh, yeah. Um, so I want to talk a little bit about how you got the, get the feel for that. And, and also what other, you know, things you add into your tree, whether, you know, like I know you've, I've heard like when you're cranking and you hit something, you obviously you want to, you said about stopping. Um, mm -hmm. that's also a good time, you know, not only to avoid getting snagged, but that's also, you know, can draw strikes because that, that, 
that kind of uh, hits that instinct for bass to 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 hit hit something when it does something like that or when you rip it out of grass or you know that kind of thing sure sure i most of the time uh my speed is dictated by when i can feel the bottom um you know because because not every bait has to hit the bottom to catch fish you know obviously if you're throwing rattle traps and they're not going to be digging on the bottom all the time but i i like to cycle like on a like say if i'm throwing four feet i'm throwing a, a square bill i cast it out get it three or four fast cranks to get it down and usually I'm just reeling slow and as long, long as I can feel the bottom. And Sean, I don't know if you experienced this, but you'll be reeling a crankbait and say it comes off the bottom a little bit. And all of a sudden, the well, the what you don't feel the wobble anymore. Mm-hmm. And what that is, that's a fish tracking. And sometimes, like you'll get, you'll get, you'll do it so much that you actually feel that bait something. You're like, you're like, oh man, I got a piece of grass on it. And all yep. of a sudden, your, your, your rod butt like bows up. And you're like, what? What's going on? You're like, like that was a fish tracker. Yeah, when he gets behind it, the uh, the bait stops vibrating as much. Something changes, and you actually can learn that. But, huh. um, but what I like to do, like, if I'm really into like a brush pile, and I it just it's like really thick, you know, and you're like, oh, I'm gonna get hung up. Mm-hmm. I'll stop, and then I'll let it float up a little bit, and then I'll actually I won't really I'll work it like a worm. I'll kind of pull my rod, mm-hmm. so it slowly kind of like you know bounces through. You know what I mean? So don't like if you, if you hit like a brush pile, you know, you stop and let it float. Like don't just keep cranking real fast. Just kind of pull your rod. Don't reel it. Just pull your rod, and the bait will kind of work. Something you know you're gonna get hung up sometimes, but it, it'll work its way through eventually. And then once you feel loose, you can start reeling again. And a lot of times, it, as soon as it comes through, that's a lot of times when you'll get that bite and you can absolutely just, you know, set it. So um, I, I think uh, I think it was Matt Gibson I was talking to about cold water cranking, and that was one of his tips mm-hmm. for cold water cranking is to to not crank as much with the reel, but actually just drag, and and it's a different kind of wobble and a different kind of action that you get when you do that too. So uh, that was one of the things he recommended for cold water cranking, uh, especially. Yeah, but, yeah. but uh, it makes sense. You know, a lot of people don't when they look at a you know a lot of noobs when they look at a, a treble hook bait like a, a square bill they're like well i'm not going to throw that near any kind of brush but it really is kind of a four-wheel drive kind of lure man. oh yeah it's, it you know that's oh, yeah. if you're if you're not throwing it in that kind of stuff you're you're missing a lot of fish because it's it's kind of made for that yeah and it's it's probably the reason i love it so much is because you can you can let's just say you have a log just sticking out of the water right there's not a lot of limbs on it you go up to it you make two casts on the right and then what you do is you cast to the right and put your rod tip to the left, right? So basically here I have a drum set. I'm a drummer too. So cool. <laughs> so like if you cast, it's kind of hard to explain by, by the by the camera here, but basically I cast to the far side and I want it to come and hit this and deflect and turn this way, right? So you want it to come and when it deflects like that, that thing will pop out really quick. And a lot of times that fish is sitting there, that deflection just they just can't stand it. Mm-hmm. You know, even if you do it, you cast to the right side a couple of times and then cast to the left side. I mean, sometimes I've cast like eight or 10 times into one laydown because you know one's there. Like, you just, I mean, it just looks too good. You know one's there. Then so you cast at every angle and a lot, of, and, you know, maybe your third or fourth cast, they'll just come out and just destroy it. You know, a lot of people miss that fish. They've Absolutely. already moved on. You know, they're down there. But if you take your time, I mean, I don't do it every time, but if it looks good, I mean, I'll hit it at different angles and, you know, because that reaction bite, 
you know, those fish don't want to eat, but sometimes they just, they just can't resist it. They just have to eat it, you know, and you just got to get it in that right spot where they just react on it. Absolutely. Um, yes. Um, and then do you add in, um, other pops or vary your retrieve other than that? Or, uh, um, I will do this. If, if I'm like fishing an area, like let's just say I'm kind of on a steeper bank and I throw a DT six up and it's only, it's only hitting bottom for the first half or something like that. I will definitely like, I'll just stop it real quick. Like, like if I'm, if I'm, if I'm hitting bottom, hitting bottom and all of a sudden it releases off the bottom and I'm, I know I'm just in open water. I'll just stop like quick stop, just quick stop, quick stop. And then just reel it in, you know, and a lot of times when the fish is falling, they'll just, they'll just, they'll smack it, you know? So, but I mean, honest, most of the time it's a steady retrieve and I'm trying to hit the bottom and, you know, hit those rocks and, you know, kind of stay in contact with the bottom. That's what I'm normally trying to do probably 90% of the time. So you're, and yeah, so your, your primary goal of your retrieve is just to maintain that just very slight bottom contact. I try to, yeah, yeah, I try to, you know, if it's, you know, and sometimes you're fishing, you know, a, a lay down, you know, it's deeper, like five or six feet and you just want to get it down and make sure it's down when it does, when it gets there, it's going to hit, you know, and deflect off of it and then come back up. So, but most of the time, yeah, I'm trying to be on the bottom, you know, and, and you, you'll get in late when you get like that, that slime on the bottom or you'll something like that. And then I'll usually switch to a spinnerbait or a chatterbait or a swim bait. Because you don't want to fight that all day, because it will be oh. a long day. You know what oh I mean? yeah, like, absolutely. Like oh, that was a perfect cast, and then your bait gets all messed up for that. That yeah. that was one of the most disappointing things about uh, one of my local lakes. It has uh, one side of the lake is almost entirely right along a highway, so it's just a riprap bank that goes the whole one side of yeah. the lake. And it was amazing yeah. for the first couple of years that I fished it, but then they got this weird algae thing that. And now that riprack bank is also covered in this green algae snot stuff. Uh, I know. Uh, so believe me, I've, I've had the best looking banks in the world. You get over there. It's so disappointing. You're just yeah. like, God, man. But, you and know, then, I mean, you throw, you throw a swim bait or a chatter bait, they'll eat it. Yeah. Too, yeah, it's still, work. it's still fishable. It's just uh, I, I couldn't crank it anymore as much, so. Yeah, you, you want to bounce it off those rocks and feel them eat it. Exactly. <laughs> Absolutely. 100%. So. Yeah. Uh, Cool, man. Um, uh, anything else you had had on your uh, list of things to cover? I'm trying to think. Uh, oh, uh, I know you you gave us some um, like topo maps and stuff. Um, do you want to talk a little bit about that? I can bring those up if you want. Yeah. Um, yeah. So um, this map here, this is uh, this is like Chickamauga, and this is uh, this is kind of Mid Lake. This is where I a lot of my fishing was done for the uh, the Bassmaster uh, Championship there. And you can see on the bottom, on the south end, on the uh, east and west, there's two really, really good spawning pockets. Right here? And let's see. I can't see your mouse. Uh, oh, maybe it doesn't show up on here. Yeah, Sorry. Yeah, yeah. That's all right. <laughs> That's all right. I won't see it. But it was, it, it was tricky because this lake was really low, right? And they dropped the water, almost no current. So these pockets look great. But if you go in these pockets, in the very back of these pockets, um, there was pretty much nothing there. There was no bait, no bluegill. I mean, it was just, and all the stumps were out of the water. Like I was telling you earlier, Susie, all the stumps were out of the water. It was rough, but, but you know, the fish want to be there, right? It's, it's, it's that time of year. The water's starting to warm up. We had a big cold front for that event, but the water's starting to warm up. So if you look, 
um, like the main lake where uh, where it touches in between those two pockets right there. Um, I was throwing a DT6 and a DT10 by those docks right there. And um, basically, something I wanted to talk about earlier is I was, I was parallel on any chance I could get. Now, on day one, there was some current. So the, from when I look at this picture, the current's coming from right to left, right? Okay. So, I'm, so, so that's, that's toward the dam to the right. That's where they're releasing water. So I'm, when I'm fishing, I'm facing to the right. I'm facing in the current, casting in the current, pulling it down, just like you would in a small creek or river. It's, but this one's just giant, right? <laughs> it's the same deal. But you know those fish want to go to those two spawning pockets. That's where that's where they want to be, and they're coming from the main lake from the winter spots, and they're gonna they're gonna stop on those docks right there in that you know that eight ten foot of water. And um, there you go. Um, yeah, right there. If you I don't know if you can zoom in or not, but yeah, yeah, I can see the pointer now. Okay, right here. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah right. See all those docks right there. You can see that. Eight, ten, six, the, all that right there. That's that's where I was catching all of my fish right there. And there was current there on day one, right? So I had a limit, uh, probably in the first hour and a half, throwing a DT six and a DT ten right there. Okay. So that's so that was key. And it, and if you go to the left a little bit, oh, um, other yeah. Left. If you go, no, no, he's going oh. the right way. He's going the right. He's oh. going the right way. Oh, uh, with the next slide or, or the next. Uh, shot or you're good right there keep it right there that's perfect okay. uh right in the middle of the screen that bank where your cursor is you see where it gets a little deeper about the bank right there see those tight lines right there from navi oh yep yep that's that's where that wind was blowing and created that mud line and that right oh. there is where is where i caught three or four i caught you know, two really big fish late in the day was right there there's nothing really on that bank but you see that little bit of death change right there because mm -hmm. those fish are coming from the main, the main river and they want to get to the back of there and spawn. So they got to stop somewhere. Right. And that's, and this is where they were. Okay. Nice. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Good deal. Nice. So cool. Um, let's see. Uh, trying to think, uh, anything else you can think of off the top of your head? Um, I I would say, like, if I brought a guy who's never crankbait before or doesn't fish a lot, the first thing I'm going to notice is they're, it's the one thing, first thing I'm going to tell them is to parallel the bank. Most mm. guys are going to go up, most guys are going to go up, cast at the bank. And, you know, if they're shallow, you want your bait to stay shallow, right? So you, so you kind of get your kayak, you know, even get it, you know, right next to the bank. I and mean, you can have the trees right there, right? And, you want to keep your bait, if these fish are in two to five foot of water, you want to keep your bait in two to five foot of water. If you're sitting way out there, you're, you're in the strike zone for five feet, ten feet, and then it's gone, right? Right. But if the fish are shallow, that's where they want to be, especially this time of year, you know, even pre-spawn, during the spawn and post-spawn, there's still going to be a lot of fish shallow. Put your bank, put your kayak against the bank and fish parallel, and you keep that bait in that, in that depth zone the whole cast. I mean, that's and then cover water, like, you know, make, make a 40, 50 foot cast, reel it in and just slowly move forward and just keep covering water, keep covering water. And uh, parallel, parallel on the bank is probably the number one thing that guys need to learn quick. <laughs> you and know, I, I find when I do that, it helps me maintain bottom contact too. You know, yes. Susquehanna sure. is easy because yeah. everything is that depth, but yeah. uh, on yeah. lakes yeah. and stuff uh, like you're right. Uh, if you, if you are, 
casting perpendicular to the bank, you're going to be in that two to five foot zone right at the right at the bank for a little bit, but then 90% of your cast is kind of wasted at that point. Um, And uh, so if you make that simple adjustment and cast with the bank parallel to the bank, you're going to be in the strike zone, like uh, 90% of your cast instead of 10% of your cast the other way. Especially when you're fishing, you know, riprap when you're fishing rock, you know, I'll obviously look for transitions. You're like, what is a transition? A transition where you go from giant boulders to small boulders real quick. That spot is just a just a high percentage spot. You know, and also, you know, fishing in the areas that have wind, you know, that's 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 probably one of the number one things is fishing, you know, clear lakes. Actually really any lake, um, is fish that wind blown bank. I know we mentioned it earlier, but I'm telling you. Guys, if you go watch like Major League Fishing, you go watch Bassmaster, the guys who are not live scoping, not counting those guys, <laughs> the guys that are fishing, a lot of times you'll see the wind behind their back and they're fishing against the bank where the wind's being blown. And that that is something that most guys who are new aren't gonna that's not they're not gonna notice it. They're just gonna see a guy fishing the bank. But look at that. Most of the time when they're fishing moving baits, you know, that, that wind is blowing, those fish are just gonna be more active, the bait fish are gonna be around. And they're more willing to bite your bait. And I was going to mention too, uh, you know, when you mentioned about fishing the transition areas, um, when I first started fishing, didn't have uh, electronics. I, I kind of was uh, struggling to, to find those kind of areas. But a lot of times you can see it on the bank. You know, it'll, if it transitions on the bank, odds are that transition yeah. follows underwater. And so definitely keep an eye out on the bank for when it changes from those uh, big chunk rock to, you know, you know, smaller or even pea gravel or even from, you know, rock to to a clay bank. Even that transition can be, you know, sometimes. Yeah, yeah absolutely. And sometimes those bare clay banks that don't look like anything, but have some wind on them or some current can be really good. A lot of times they're overlooked because like, oh, man, there's no log, there's no rock. But man, you know, like, you never know. That was one thing that just fishing uh, on the river uh, creeks to to river transition. And anytime you have a, a color change in the water, like so the creek is a little bit clearer than the main river or vice versa. Um, mm-hmm. Fish will sit on that current, the the, the color change and, and just ambush, you know. And so and I, think, I think that with the clay banks also comes a lot into play, you know. Yeah, I, I experienced that exact situation. I was on Lake Seminole. And um, I was fishing on the Chattahoochee side. You know, you got the Chattahoochee and the Flint, right? Yeah, the Flint. And I was on the Chattahoochee side, and there's a creek, crystal clear, um, spring-fed creek that was coming into the muddy Chattahoochee. But that creek was super shallow. Like, there wasn't really much in there. But right with that clear water, warmer water was dumping in there, the fish were stacked up right there. So I actually sat in one spot and caught every fish I caught in that tournament for two days in one spot where that clear water was dumping in to the Chattahoochee. So yeah, I, that scenario is if you can find it and you're the only one to find it, <laughs> like don't tell anybody. Just, you're like, you're like, yeah, yeah. Just like, yeah, yeah. I caught a few. Cause they're, cause, cause they're not, you know, like, I don't know. Those little spots are, those are fun when you can find them and you're the only one that finds them, you know? Absolutely. Yep. Yeah. Uh, I did think of one other question. Um, 
do you ever recommend um like switching out hooks from any brands uh, like right out of the package because i mean i know when it comes to jerk baits i know that there are some that i'm like oh yeah no i gotta change these out because they aren't sometimes the best you know not to bash yeah. on brands or anything like that but i mean do you have ones that like yeah right out of the package it's ready to go or other ones you're just like yeah I'd probably recommend you know maybe switching those out um not like most of the time i just use them out of the package but if i'm in a big tournament um i'll switch to the um, triple grips the mustad triple grips on all my crankbaits uh that's what i recommend but honestly um the rapala ones i think they come with the vmcs and, and i don't have any problems um if they are swiping at the bait i will upsize one hook um one size um, but you got to be careful on the square bills because if you, if you upsize your hook, it'll get caught on the caught bill. On the bill. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. I hate like, that. Like, yeah. <laughs> like, yeah like, like, oh, it's the worst. Or, or just maybe upsize just, just the back hook. Um, you mm -hmm. can do that. But, or, or you can upsize and get one that has a smaller, you know, it's just as, not as long, you know. But I, I don't play with the hooks a whole lot. But if I'm fishing a tournament, I'm switching everything in triple grips. Um, I just I have a lot of confidence in those, but I'm not spending a ton of money, you know, uh, changing every time I get them, you know. Okay. Now, if, if all I did is fish big, now if I fished Hobie and Bassmaster and KBF, that's all I did, and I'm doing that for a living, yes, every single one of my claim base would have triple grips on it. <laughs> so, just because, I mean, I mean, I mean, if you can help anything, you know, the hooks, the line, the way the odds the in your line, favor, right? Real. Right. I mean, these baits get a lot of bites. That's one thing about it. And, and I, I'm a person that fishes for bites. I don't necessarily always fish for big fish and sometimes I need to do that, but I just, I like to get a lot of bites and just at the end of the day, hopefully I run into a big one or two in a tournament. Um, you just gotta, you gotta just try to just help your odds as much as you can, you know? Right. And it definitely got to give you, uh, you know, more confidence as well, you know, cause I mean, the more a bait or a lure gives that gives you more confidence, you know, it's going to have you keep going to it. And then you're going to learn more from it too. It's like you were saying, yeah. like as the yeah. fish homes in on it, it stops wobbling as much as just like, wow, I never even would have thought of that or noticed that. till you said something, I was like, I'm going to have to pay attention now to see if like, if I could ever notice that. <laughs> yeah, I, I bet she doesn't believe me, Sean. No, and I, and I, 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 I it's got to be from the first time we had you on that because I had had remembered that, and as I got into cranking more, I I've definitely experienced in that, you know, and, and well, it's kind of cool awesome. because then you know that you're just waiting for it to get hammered. You're like, oh, it's it's, it's really cool. So, Susie, what I recommend you do is just go find a good stock pond somewhere. I'm sure you got, I'm sure you know one or know somebody that has one, or I'm sure you you got them all around you. Bring bring square bills with you and just just throw it all day and you, and you'll you'll start to see what we're talking about. You're like, oh, that's what he was talking about. He wasn't messing with me that day. <laughs> <laughs> it just it's interesting, you know, because it's just like you yeah. know, no matter like what topic we have or what guest we have on here, there's always something new to learn. And like these little things is just what like fascinates me a lot of times because I'm just like huh, I'm going to have to try that out so I can try to experience that. Yeah. Well, what's cool, like if you go fish a pond and the wind's blowing, go fish the calm side, assuming they're kind of the same, you know, right. and then go fish the windy side. side. And I, I'll give you $20 if you don't catch more on the windy side. Okay? <laughs> <laughs> anyway. 
PayPal. And, and you, you talked about, uh, you know, you, you know, when the, you foul hook, uh, or when the, the hook gets up on the bill and it's always for me when I make that perfect cast and I'm like, Oh, I crushed <laughs> that cast. And then it well, just think about it. <laughs> see my is, is now you're throwing a top one so just right, there you go. Like that. <laughs> it's a wake bit now it like, goes like that across the top oh yeah right? yeah usually pretty fast because i'm angry at that point you know <laughs> me too I, I and sometimes it'll correct itself but not in a tournament you know yeah. it's just, yeah. you know? and it's gonna ride the top the whole way back <laughs> Most time, right. like what the issue that I have is like I'll throw a lot of spros and the hooks will constantly hook each other on those. Really? Ah, I just the the little Johns. It just seems like I always just get them to hook each other. Oh, that would drive me. I mean, you can always downsize the front hook and see if that helps. Yeah, that would drive me crazy. I, I don't throw. <laughs> I I know spro makes great crankbaits. Um, I don't throw a lot of them up. I throw mostly, um, Strike King. And Rapala, that's pretty much what I stick mm -hmm. with. I, I have been throwing the Berkeley, uh, the Pitbull. The reason I, the reason I like the, this Pitbull so much is that this one color I just really love because I fish the Edward River and it's really clear a lot of times. I love throwing those clear crankbaits in that clear water. Um, but yeah, with the yeah, spro, actually, that, uh, that was going to be another quick question I was going to ask you too. Do you ever um, like switch between um, using like the flat sided crankbaits versus like your regular shaped ones? Because that's the reason why I fish the uh, spros is because most of them are the flat sided ones. Right. Yeah. And those are great. I use well, the DT6 is kind of considered, I'd say, a flat side, but I mean, it's it does have that more tight wobble to it. Mm -hmm. But I'll just run through. So this is kind of how I keep my crankbait organized. That's kind of like a good thing too. Is I keep this is my square. This is all square bills. So this is basically, and I have a bunch on my desk here too. This is basically five, six foot or shallower, right? So that's box number one. And box number two is I have more, but it's like DT sixes and DT tens. Mm -hmm. um, and then and so basically that's zero to ten feet, right? Zero, you know, DT tens go about ten feet, and then. Here I have like my Strike King 5XDs, 6XDs. And these, I, I have to be in, the, in these small containers because I also fish the uh, the Major League Fish, the BFLs as a co-angler. So I have, so my, have my, my, like, my pack. I can take them out of my, my black pack right into my backpack. So I, I would normally use bigger boxes and have more, but this is how I do it. So, <laughs> nice. But, so that's kind of how I do like, you know, like zero to four feet you know, six to 10 feet, and then basically 10 feet down, you know, 20, 25 feet that was in this box. So I don't, I don't do a lot of that 20 foot plus. I do a lot of 20 foot and shallow cranking. It, it's tough in a kayak to do that 20 foot plus. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's just, it, it, it's, a lot of guys do it. I, I don't love doing it. I mean, I feel like I can do, okay, you know, staying 20 foot or shallower, probably 18 foot or shallower is where I stick to. Nice. Cool. And, and, and like to Susie's question, is there ever a time where you would opt for a more flat sided crankbait versus the, the uh, is there, a, I know the, the wobble is a lot of times different. Is there, when, it, when would be a good time to go for a tighter wobble versus a kind of like the bigger, really rocking one? Yeah. Um, I mean, you know, the textbook answer is, you know, that tighter wobble is better in, in colder weather. Um, I'm throwing, you know, like if it's really cold, I might be throwing like a shad wrap. Uh, on a spinning rod, you know, if it's really cold and it's brutal, but I know they'll still eat a crankbait, I might downsize to a shad wrap. Um, a DT6 for me is year-round. I don't care how cold the water is. I feel in my head, 
and this head, I can catch a fish on a DT6 from every, I mean, but I'm also down here in the south, so, you know, the water, I'm not going to see, I'm not going to see water in the 30s, you know, right. unless something crazy happens, you know, I'll see water <laughs> in the 40, upper 40s, so I'm fishing it year round. You know, Let me um, come to Dale Hollow, and you'll probably see water in the 30s. That's just how it yeah. <laughs> That's like my brother-in-law. Anytime my brother-in-law Tyler comes to the tournament or anything, it's raining and windy. Every time <laughs> but just stay home, man. Stay home. <laughs> so no. I, I usually stick. I usually stick with the like the DT stuff and like shatter wraps when it's super cold out. Um, but you know, if it's if it's warm month, if it's muddy water, I'm throwing you know a big square bill. It has a lot of wobble. Um, you know, like the striking five XDs have a lot of wobble. Um, you know, I throw those a lot too. Cool. And I know you you mentioned yeah. the hybrid hybrid hunter for around grass. Is there any other uh, kind of you know really specific ones that you get to for uh, other kinds of structure or anything like that? Um, not really. I mean, the hybrid hunter just kind of started. I started throwing that this year. It's really cool. Though. I think I'm going to get some more of them. Um, it does come through hydrilla. I mean, obviously, if it's thick, it's not going to. But I was just going to say, because that's why I bought it. I bought it for the celery grass yeah. on the Susquehanna, and it doesn't come through that. But Yeah, but, yeah. there's some stuff, you, you, you nothing you can do. Yeah. So, but like, um, you know, uh, sparse hydrilla, uh, it came through eelgrass pretty nice, um, which was pretty good. I was fishing a lot of that in Florida. So, But really, I mean, the, the shad, start from, you know, the Shadrap, KVD uh, 2.5, the 1.0, like I mentioned earlier, you know, if the water's clear, if it's a really calm day or the fish are finicky, you know, you can downsize. Um, you can go to the Strike King KVD 2.5, which is a bigger square bill for, you know, say muddy water or bigger fish, you know, like if you're on Chickamauga or Lake Fork or you know you're going to get some big bites. And then I usually jump deeper. I go to DT6, Rappel, you know, DT10. And then after the 10, I'll, I might go to like a DT14 or I'll go and start using the Strike King 5XD. 5XD. I really love the 5XD. Yeah. Um, that's a really good deep dive crankbait. Um, that's really, that's mostly what I use. Uh, I don't, I use the Berkeley stuff a little bit. Cool. And uh, for the 5XDs and stuff, you're still using mono on that too? Mono for everything? I am. Okay. I am. I'm, I use, no, I have a seven. So when I'm throwing those 5XDs, I'm using a seven foot 10 rod. Okay. So it's a seven foot ten. It's a heavy, moderate. So it's got that nice, soft, moderate tip. And when I cast it, you know, it's so long that I can cast it a mile. That's the thing. Main thing is you got to get a long cast, get that bait down. Um, flora. I mean, I could use flora, but I just stick with modern. Yeah. Just something I've done for years, and you know, some guys might disagree with me, but hey, so if it's it works worth it. and it's cheaper, it. yeah, <laughs> so, makes yeah. perfect sense to yeah. me. It ain't broke. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. Thank you. Yeah. Awesome, Craig. Well, um, I wanted to give you a chance to shout out where folks can find you and follow along with your content and, and any other uh, sponsors or anything you wanted to shout out. Um, I mean, my, my number one sponsor is new canoe. Um, also Westbrook supply, you know, and I work with uh, St. Croix rods and, um, you know, Dakota lithium, Benny branches, paddles, uh, yak attack. They got that new card out. Have you seen that new Yak Attack card? Oh, it's, yeah. It's, it's, I uh, just saw it in person down at Dale Hollow, and I was uh, pretty yeah. jealous. I've had it for two weeks, and I couldn't do it. I couldn't share anything with it, so <laughs> so it's pretty cool. And, uh, you know, Dakota Lithium Batteries, they, they helped me out, too, take care of me so I could run that motor guide around. Um, but, you know, if, if you want to come see what I like to do, which is fish, I do fish a lot of current. 
I, I like to throw crankbaits. You know, I fish some tournaments when I can. I do some BFLs. I fish as a co-angler. So if you like that kind of thing, I, I just search on YouTube, Dive Fishing, uh, D-Y-E Fishing. And uh, Instagram is also Dive Fishing. And then uh, on Facebook, uh, Craig Dive Kayak Fishing. And um, you'll see all my stuff on there. And, you know, if you like fishing, that's what you'll see because I, I, I post often. So, you know. I try to get out. Also, you know, I fish with my sons. I have a six-year-old and nine-year-old, so I bring them out in the uh, New Canoe Unlimited. We fish tandem a lot. Um, luckily, where I move, I have a, a five-acre pond about uh, 200 yards that way. Awesome. Um, that's full of fish. So it's really cool uh, that I can just walk down there and bring them and um, and fish a lot. So, uh, yeah, that's about awesome. it. Awesome. Very, very yeah. cool. Well, I will make sure I include notes uh, or uh, links to um, your social media down in the uh, show notes. So if anybody who's interested in following along there and uh, we'll make sure we, uh, you know, put uh, some links to some of your sponsors there as well. So people can check that out. And um, cool. Um, yeah. No, uh, thanks again for coming back on and, uh, you know, giving us a lot of juice here on uh crankbaits so uh i just love it it's easy to talk about something you love you know? <laughs> absolutely absolutely so cool man well uh thanks again and we'll definitely uh have to have you on again and um uh anything else Susie? um i don't i i, I got nothing <laughs> all Wait, right i got something i got all something. Right. yeah yeah Susie, what is that thing behind your chair back there the heck is that thing oh my dragon statue yeah <laughs> the heck is that? go get that i gotta see that john's been driving me crazy <laughs> wow I've been looking at it for the last look at that thing that's way cooler even doing? in person there up close oh it has like what a crystal that? ball and everything what is that for it's just a it's just a statue decoration i've had this thing since i was in high school <laughs> It's just, it's cool. That? You know, a big Chinese dragon statue thing. Good. Good. Now I know. <laughs> I had to ask Sean. Sorry. Hey, de no. derail. Oh, all good, man. All good. <laughs> all right, guys. Well, thanks again for tuning in tonight. Uh, you know, make sure, like I said, check out uh, all the links in the show notes. Um, we'll definitely, I'll throw in a bunch of the baits that we talked about as well. Um, so we'll try and get you guys everything you need to get started cranking. Uh, so get out there, give it a try. Uh, you, you hook one fish and you're going to fall in love with it. So uh, uh, give it a try. Um, and again, thanks for tuning in. Uh, this has been another episode of Bass Fishing for Noobs here on the Paddle and Fin Podcast, where we bring you the techniques, the tricks, and the tips to help you rip more lips. You guys have a good night.